0: The Campfire Conversation podcast. I'm your host, Cole Kelly. Ask almost anybody who's been to summer camp, whether they be kids or staff members, and they'll tell you it is awesome. They will also tell you, through their words, but mostly through their actions, that they learn a ton while there too. As a longtime camp director, youth sport coach, and father to three growing young men, I know the lessons that we learn at camp can be hugely beneficial for all of us back home in the real world. So. Each week, I'll spend some time around the digital campfire talking with professionals from inside and around the summer camp world. We'll share their lessons, their ideas, and their practices in a way that I hope will be immediately useful for your life back home. So, pull up a seat, get your marshmallow ready to roast, and let's spend some time learning together around the campfire. Thank you for joining us on our final podcast of 2019. Before I introduce our guests, I wanted to ask a favor. If you've enjoyed these podcasts, please take a a moment to leave a review on whichever podcast service you're using. More reviews help these ideas spread, and we'd appreciate if you could help introduce the Campfire Conversation to more future friends. As I've said in the last two episodes, I firmly believe that sending a child to the right camp for them is one of the greatest gifts parents can give. When it's the right fit, Camp Combine's incredibly fun experiences, lots of new and old friends, and lessons that will literally last a lifetime. For the past two weeks, we've been exploring the idea of camp as a gift. In the first two installments of our camp as a gift series, we spoke to two camp parents who have a special view of summer camp and two wonderful former campers who had a ton of experience as campers themselves. In this, the final installment of our camp as a gift series, I get to speak with a 21-year summer veteran of camp, our incredible camp mom, Judy. CMJ, who is known the rest of the year as Judy Aronson, has impacted probably more lives than almost anybody else at camp. As a camp mom, her role is a bit amorphous and really, really, really big. (laughs) One moment, she'll be helping to train the staff. The next involves helping campers who are missing home. And then she'll be cutting nails or changing out the sheets for an overnight accident. All the while, she's preparing to help lead an Appalachian trail hike or help the CITs prep for Olympics or, or teaching the genters how to pickle the cucumbers that grow in her garden. She really does it all at camp. As CMJ will tell you, camp has certainly been a gift for herself and for her family. And now that her kids are full-on adults, it continues to be a gift for her as a staff member, quote-unquote, only. I hope you'll enjoy this very fun campfire conversation with my friend, Camp Mom Judy Aronson. Camp Mom Judy, I'm so excited to have you around the the campfire. It's really fun to be here, Cole. So, and I I should probably use your true name, which is Judy Aronson. Uh, Although you've been known as Camp Mom Judy for a very, very long time, at least in my life and knowing you, um, we have been around. In fact, I was thinking about this uh, today before we had a chance to speak. Besides Kate, there's not another person that I've shared more campfires with at Waquig than with you. That's very flattering. That's crazy. It isn't really it? is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you've been at camp for a long time. So how many summers will this be coming up? I think this is 22, I think. 22 yeah. Summers. That is yeah. fantastic. How? And I never even asked you this. How did you get started at Waquake?
1: Well, uh, my own children, I have four four kids, um, two boys and two girls. They were, the oldest ones were starting to look at sleepaway because I'm a big believer in what sleepaway camp can do. Um for a person's life, mm-hmm. and uh, we were looking at camps, and I I knew that because I loved camp myself, because it was a big part of um, of my growing up. I went to Camp Akiba, nice um, in the picturesque. Ok, and it was actually very funny because uh, you interviewed Tammy Leader not too long ago, and yes. I a camp and Leder went camp with Tammy Leader with Akiba. Um, <laughs> but I gone to Akiba, and I made lifelong friends there. I mean, my, my daughter Molly's godmother is still somebody who I was friends with at camp when I was nine years old. And I wanted to find something like that for my own kids, but very hard to find a camp for two boys and two girls with um, the age ranges of you know seven years of, uh, from the youngest to the oldest. Mm -hmm. So my husband and I just traveled around and looked at different camps that were willing to hire staff because I knew that there was no way I was letting my kids go to do this without me having as much fun as they were. (laughs) (laughs) And so it's worth noting that I did not get involved in camp because I couldn't let go of them. Um, If anybody ever saw me at camp with my four kids, they knew that like... Judy has kids here somewhere, but I don't know who those kids are. (laughs) um, Which was perfectly fine for me. It was it was a privilege to be there with them, but um, I didn't go so that I could monitor their every move and watch everything that happened. Um, I thought it would be cool to witness the same world that they witnessed. That was Mm going to be valuable to me. Um, So yeah, so we looked around at different camps, and um, I wanted a brother sister camp because that's what I had gone to. And uh, the one camp that everybody, all six opinions in the car, could all agree on was we quick. <laughs> so that's how we ended up there.
0: Nice. Was it an odd, I mean, so you're a teacher year-round. I know you're yeah. teaching history in, uh, in the ninth in grade. In New Jersey, in Englewood, New Jersey. Right. Yeah. So, you know, you, you come from a background of working with kids. You certainly knew camp. Was it odd to get back into the camp swing of things from a staff perspective?
1: Oh, it was fantastic. Oh, it was so great because it's so different than teaching. It's um, your responsibilities toward children are just different. You you grow different sides of them um, mm-hmm. when you're when you're working at camp than when you're a teacher. When you're a teacher, there's um, you know, there's more discipline involved and there's more it's more skill-based, and mm-hmm. you really need to make sure kids leave your room smarter than they came in every day. Um, and at camp, it's more about helping a child find themselves and grow in the things that they've just naturally found for themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, school is something they get plunked into. Camp is a place where they can just explore all the boundaries of things that they enjoy. And what a privilege it is to watch children be able to do that.
0: Yeah. I've heard you say several times that, you know, you have to go to school, you get to go to camp. Yeah.
1: You know, yeah, and that, absolutely. that
0: makes a big difference. What What do you see from a teaching standpoint? What do you see that, camp gives kids that, that schools can't and vice versa?
1: Well, one of the things I really wish that schools could be able to do is to take the messaging that camp has. Our camp, Cole, you've created a tremendous community um, around the idea of GAC. Mm -hmm. Um, gratitude, attitude, and courage. And those are three attributes that belong well outside of, you know, the environs of camp. I mean, any school, any classroom, any family can benefit from those three values of gratitude, attitude, and courage. Um, and you, there are so many ways to reinforce it and build on it while you're at camp. And in school, because you have the element of having to teach, you don't always have the time for those building those softer skills Mm -hmm. in people. And I I wish education could have more of what camp lets kids do um, in that way, you know, because kids can pick up, they can figure out, you know, how to swing a tennis racket the right way. They can figure out how to dive correctly. They can, you know, there's all sorts of things that they're picking up hard skills that Mm -hmm. they can take with them. Um, But those soft skills of, of showing gratitude, of, of, bringing the attitude to a situation of being courageous and trying new things. Mm-hmm. Um, those soft skills the way they learn them at camp are just it's just so natural whereas in a classroom because you have that double duty of teaching material it's harder to integrate but i try.
0: Yeah. Yeah, i think that's got to be a hard, that's, that's got to be an art. You know where you know you have to get certain things through, they have to be ready to go into these tests and everything else. But yet you're also trying to mold them a little bit as humans as well.
1: Yeah, it's true. It's true. And yet being a teacher at camp, um, I can, you know, we can be in the woods walking. Like when I take the Appalachian Trail hike with the, with the mm-hmm. older campers, um, they start talking about their classes. You wouldn't believe how much they talk about school when they're in the woods. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um, but they start talking about APUS history and I'm like right in there with them. I can have the conversation with them. Because I'm an AP US History teacher, so we can talk about things like schools and A- school and APs, and um, you know, so many different things that I share that part of their worlds with from September to June, mm-hmm. and so it gives me another way to connect with them and for them to feel like they can come to me when they get their AP score in the first week of July. Sure. And I get it. I understand what they're saying when they talk to me about it.
0: Yeah, so, well, and it's funny because the kids also come to you for, for very different reasons where, you know, you really focus on, on a lot of the younger kids that are very naturally missing home. How, yeah. when, when you think about that aspect, and I, I didn't prepare you for this at all, so, you know, don't worry about it, but what would you tell parents about when their kids miss home? Not if, but when their kids miss home at camp. What what would you tell parents to think about you know, in terms of preparing for camp and then when they get those sad letters back home?
1: Well, I think uh, there's a uh, something uniform that I I would say to parents, whether it makes them feel good initially or not, um, <laughs> is that when a child, oh, and I say to our staff, um, and I'll sometimes say to children, um, depending on what their age is and what they understand, and it is this, it's that when children say that they're homesick, um, what they're saying is, I'm not feeling connected. hmm And that may be a hard message for a child to hear. It may be a hard message for a counselor to hear. It may be a hard message for a parent to hear, but I think they need to hear what's actually happening. And then we can, once we identify what's happening, then we can find ways to remedy it. And so we have to take that concept of homesickness and really give it its real name because what they're missing about home is that connectedness and that instant love and acceptance that comes so readily to them when they're living at home. Um, And so we have to figure out how to make that happen in the six weeks or three weeks when they're away from home. Um, And I also very strongly will talk to parents when they say that you know their child is having a hard time adjusting. They'll talk to me about their 13-year-old or 12-year-old or nine-year-old saying that. And I'll say, can you talk to me a little bit about what you remember about them starting kindergarten? Or what it was like letting them go at nursery school. And once you let parents, parents start reflecting and talking about that, um, then they can start understanding that, oh, this is what they did before. And I'll be like, yeah. (laughs) So we're going to help fortify your child so that when they experience this, when they get to high school and are in a classroom with 19 kids who they never saw before, Mm -hmm. or when they get to college and land in a dorm room, we don't want your child calling you from their dorm saying, mommy, come pick me up. We want to teach your child now, how do you build the skills and how do you fortify yourself and how do you get the confidence to know if you made it through let, letting go of mommy's hand in kindergarten, you can make it through getting on the bus to camp and you can make it through, make your first week of college.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And not even make it through, but you can learn how to flourish in all those yes. situations, but you have to have the practice in order to do it. You can't just jump yeah. in and go. Yeah. I was with a family a little while ago and they said, Well, yeah, our, our child's never done a sleepover. It's like, okay, well, don't let's not think about camp yet. Let's go do a sleepover. You know, even if it's with <laughs> grandma, grandpa, I'll go somewhere else, spend the night with a friend, with a loved one, whoever it is. But you gotta be able to do that first before you can think about doing it for three weeks or six weeks. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Very awesome. true. So I totally agree with you about the connected piece. What was it that connected you to a because very few people stay at a summer camp for for 22 years not to mention a number of years since your child children have left
1: yeah well quake is an instant family and that started um you know I, I i love what you have done with this camp and yet this camp has been longer around longer than than i yes. have and longer yep. than you have yep. and so the the lustig and the suffer families they built a culture of um warmth and acceptance and family. And that really appealed to me when I first came to um, to interview them to see if I wanted my four children, <laughs> yep. to, you know, to be spending a significant part of their lives in, in the hands of, of those owners and those directors. And they really, they, they got it. They got so much about what camp is about. I remember, you know, um, Gail Lustig standing in the canteen with me saying, you know, like, we don't, really encourage our girls to wear earrings when they're playing sports, which, you know, at the time, like, I was thinking about, like, how do you get girls to not want to wear earrings when they're playing sports? Um, but she, but that told me right there what was important at that camp. Like, we want girls to feel like girls. I had a problem with Week Wake in the beginning when I was first considering sending my kids there because it's a co-ed camp, mm-hmm. and Akiba was a brother-sister camp, and I really mm-hmm. believed in, like, Girls being around girls and boys being around boys. And then here and there, let them intersect with each other. But summer is such a great empowering time for girls in particular to just have girls around each other. Um, And so it took some convincing for me to think that a co-ed camp could be okay. Um, But, you know, Waquai has – it's seamless the way – Young people and old people, girls and boys, all interact with each other. You have, during free play, which is after dinner every night, you have six-year-old boys playing with 16-year-old girls and 11-year-old girls playing <laughs> with 14-year-old boys. And it's playing. They're all playing, and there's adults everywhere. And, you know, we're all watching what they're doing. But it's so natural. Right. It's, it's wonderful the way that it's, – it's the way that – the, two, the, the genders all connect with each other and the ages all connect with each other. And that's another nice thing about an, about uh, a camp with boys and girls in it And yeah. I never yeah. really anticipated.
0: It's funny, you know, w- when we got to Equaic in 2009, we were looking at this idea of coming to a, the co-ed camp like you're talking about. We had run a girls camp and we had run a boys camp. Um, helped run a boys camp. And so when we got there and I saw the big, huge activity center and I looked around and I counted 13 entrances and exits. I thought, (laughs) like, are you kidding? Um, And it really, like you said, though, I I think because the way we do it, where boys play with boys and girls play with girls during the program day, when we have that integrated time, when we have that time, you know, like campfire or free play or some of the activities where boys and girls are together, it really does work. In fact, one time I, I asked you—I don't know if you remember this—I said, "What's your favorite part of the camp day?" And you said, "Oh, free play because it's intergenerational." Just exactly what you just said, because all the kids are getting together and working and playing and up and down the the age you know range and and between the genders, and it's it really is is wonderful.
1: Oh, it's hilarious! You have boy counselors sitting there getting their toenails painted by little you know, <laughs> nine-year-old girls. It's it's, it's amazing.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, it is. It is really really funny. How. So you said something earlier that I want to touch on. You said that when you were going originally to look, you were going to interview the camp people. And that's not really how I think a lot of families look at this. They say, all right, well, we're going to go pick a camp. No, But I agree with you that you should interview the camp people that you're trying to decide to give your children to.
1: Yeah. Yeah, because they really set the tone. Um, I didn't so much need to have the circus or the track or the, you know, any of the other sort of bells and whistles that that camps have. I really needed to know that the people who were gonna be impacting my children um were my kind of people. Right. I just wanted them to I just wanted to know that they're like that they're people I would have fun hanging out with.
0: Yep. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: And you know, yeah.
0: So, when, I can't remember, when did Molly leave? Was it eight years ago or nine years ago? Oh, it's, it's around that. Yeah. yeah. So, I, I have a very distinct memory of being <laughs> at, at Sing that night. That It was her last Sing, you know, the end of Color War. It's the, the whole big deal. And you looked at me, you said, and we both had tears in our eyes, and you said, you know, Molly is leaving, but I am not. and and I I was like absolutely I'm in how has camp changed for you since your kids have left
1: to be honest it's so much better oh no (laughs) (laughs) it's so because I mean I told you right from the start I didn't go to the camp so that I could spy on my kids and watch my kids and all that it's um it's much more relaxing not having your own children there um but it's also it's really nice knowing that like. They graduated. Yeah, You know, Molly started at that camp. Molly's my youngest. So, I mean, I have Jacob, Sam, Lizzie, and Molly. And, you know, uh, the boys were old enough to really engage in camp when they first started. Lizzie was five years old. Um, and she was, you know, still a junior by the time she got her five-year jacket. Um, Molly was turning two the summer she started there so by the time she left when she was uh, 15 16 you know she had spent her life growing up there and it was you know it was a great place for her to grow up but it's really cool to see like your kids graduate or reach that pinnacle like you know being in color war and being color war leaders and -hmm. and seeing all that so um, it's you know camp hasn't really changed for me in like, I haven't sort of lost my enthusiasm for camp. Um, there's just a personal element that isn't there as much, mm-hmm. uh, but it's still, you know, that experience totally informed my ability to be able to take care of other people's children yeah. and, and still does. I mean, it's, it is a
0: privilege to be able to witness the growth of other people's children. Well, you know, that's the really neat thing about your experience as a staff member at Quake. It, you get to see the growth and you know maturity of, of young people throughout the year, just in very different ways.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Which is, it makes it a cool job. Um, well. and as a camp mom, I get to, I, I never really have to say goodbye to a camper once they leave. Cause I'm not mm-hmm. in a division. They're not moving up and away from me. So, you know, it, it's not uncommon for me to meet a camper, you know, when they're seven years old, eight years old, boarding the bus for the first time. Um, and you know, get them into camp, get them used to camp. They come back, and then within four or five years, they look a little bit different. <laughs> and then, you know, you turn around another four or five years later, and they're leading color war. And, you know, I have been able to witness their growth and their sort of quote-unquote graduation. But you, Cole, have a really interesting method of never letting people graduate from Wequoic. <laughs> because as soon as, you know, your you're campers who've really made – I've really learned how to make camp what it's supposed to be. Um, you then immediately invite them in to be staff. Oh, yeah. And so then it's really cool because I get to work with these people. <laughs> you, <laughs> I've, I've known since they're juniors.
0: All right. So th- that's something we've never spoken about. When you see a kid who show up as a junior, you know, a, a rising second, third, fourth grader, and then all of a sudden they walk in and, and they're a staff member now and you're working alongside them. What is that like? Oh, it's the best. It's the best. It's
1: like, it because they've, they've traveled into my world now and mm. now we can share laughs about things that would have terrified them to talk about <laughs> personal things. Because, you know, I get to, as a camp mom, I get to know these kids in very intimate ways. Yeah. Um, you know, when they've had an accident in the dining hall, I'm the one that they run to and we sneak out the back door and get into their bunk. And, you know, I wait outside and they put on those dry pants and then we run back in and I'll say something funny to them and they'll walk in laughing and it's like nothing ever happened. And then I have to teach them how to do that for their campers. And and with a, you know, with a knowing smile, then they, and they get it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's a funny thing to look. So, so you remember when you and I, (laughs) Oh yeah. All the time. Uh, that is awesome. Yeah. Tay, that has been one of the great blessings, I think, from when Kate and I showed up real quick and working with you and Jerry and a couple of our, our longtime people to see camp grow the way it has and to see so many more of the young people come back to be staff members. I mean, that's, you know, yeah. been, I mean, your girls have both done it. You know, yeah. Ian Malou, I've seen all these great kids that have come yeah. back, and added so much value back to their camp. Absolutely. Uh, they came through the door. It's just it's just awesome.
1: Yeah, no, Jordan and I talk about that all the time. Um, and it also gives us a special, there's like a special relationship that I have with those counselors because um, when things aren't going right, uh, I, I can reference things that only we understand. There's like a secret language almost that you would, you would be able to do the same thing with them too. Um, but when you've watched somebody grow up and then move into a job, um, you just you speak a different language to yeah. each other, and it's um, it's very special.
0: Yeah, I think there's there's that point of you literally seen them grow up. they've had they have such a deep well of experience with you that they know that the trust mm-hmm. is there unconditionally yeah. and the love yeah. is there unconditionally and like we're gonna figure this out um, and that yep. we get best you know best you know in mind. Um, and that's what I wish all the staff members who came in, you know that day one, if they felt that same way, then all of a sudden camp just is so much better just because they feel more, you know, connected, like we talked about, and more feeling more like they they belong there. And then that then trickles down to the kids. And if they can make the kids feel like you belong here, whether you're at at Quake or what other great camps are out there, if you feel like you belong to that spot, everything else is just, you know, cake. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's
1: really really nice. And, you know, that brings, to mind something else that when I come in the beginning of camp, the people who've known me um, as their camp mom or in some other capacity, they will then, you know, I'll, I'll run into camp and I'll give somebody a hug because I've known them since they're nine and now they're, they're staff and we're <laughs> training together. And then the person standing next to them is someone who just arrived the day before from Scotland or Poland or wherever they're coming <laughs> from. And I give them a hug too. Yeah. And they'll, they'll say. And I'll say, call me Camp Mom Judy. And they'll be like, hi, Mom. And so (laughs) it it builds family. And so our returning staff, like our returning campers who come back as staff, um, they're like glue connecting my generation to their generation. And, you know, what I do, key staff to counselors. So they're really, they're critical. Yeah. and you and you recognize that and that's wonderful.
0: Oh yeah, I mean well we've had so many great people come through there it's you know you'd be foolish not to try to get them back to you know provide that same experience that they received and enjoyed so much of. You know yeah. and I think that that's to me that's the true gift of camp is that mm-hmm. it allows you to put yourself in a situation where you get to support something much greater than yourself. And you actually right. get to serve and by serving like that and loving like that um it opens up the world for so many people in this exponential fashion and that is that's pretty heady stuff yeah you know and you yeah. see it the last day of camp when the kids are leaving they're crying and the staff are leaving and they're crying you know it's, yeah you know it's not an easy day but it's also that means it, it's gone well when, when i say camp is a gift to you what what does that bring up to you all right,
1: so mine's probably going to be different than most people who say this, but you know at camp, you know I have my garden. Yes. And you know I take the kids on the hike. And so in spite of, in, in addition to being the camp mom and taking care of all the mommy stuff, you know, making yeah. sure they have sunscreen and yeah. drink for them at their games and, you know, making sure they're eating right. Um, I also think the gift of nature that mm. I'm able to take from camp and that I see children take from camp is is the greatest. To be surrounded by trees and birds, Um, to have our toes in the grass, to have our hands in the dirt. Um, All of that just creates a a vibe that like, it's just like instant leisure. Like the the pace of it all is just so natural. And I I think having three weeks or six weeks or some of us get eight weeks of living out in nature is so good for the soul. Absolutely. So mine is definitely gift of nature.
0: Well, and to see when the kids go and start to explore the garden that that you've built, you know, and a lot of it's the first time they've ever done any of this or seen it and literally get, you know, up to their wrists in the dirt and picking and and looking and it's just, it's really a lot of fun.
1: It's great. It's great. The the garden is like, it's a perfect place for homesick kids um, because it distracts them. It's also a place where kids connect with their own families because they'll be like, oh, my grandpa grows these exact tomatoes, or, oh, you know, when whenever my mom and I go to the garden out in the Hamptons, this is the kind of basil we always find in the gardens nearby. Like, they will talk about home when they're at the garden, which is also really nice. But then they also, these people you would never expect are like, oh, can I see that bug, or can I hold that worm, or, like, they're just, they're all, all the inhibitions are lost, and they just, they just, I don't know, it's it's another place for them to explore, and I really, I love seeing that. Um Yeah. Yeah, but the nature at camp, I think, is something special because it replaces all the electronics, all the, you know, the air conditioning at home. We have breezes at camp. You know, it's all (laughs) all natural, and they're not used to living that way, these kids. So it's, I think the greatest, that's definitely the greatest gift of camp is all that nature in our faces.
0: Well, and I tell you, you know, Mr. Lustig and Mrs. Lustig put together such a beautiful spot, you know, with towering pines and right by the lake. And, you know, like you said, the breeze coming through and it really is a special time. And and I know I've seen you do this where you get up to camp and to set the garden up, you know, over Memorial Day, where you literally will stand there and just breathe for a little bit because the air does, it's different. Yes.
1: Yes, it
0: is. It is. It's a beautiful place. That's awesome. Oh, great. Well, Camp Mom Judy, as always, it is an absolute pleasure uh, to be around the campfire with you and talking about camp and thinking about a little bit bigger things than just the the basic day to day. Um, So thank you so much for spending time uh, with me and and talking about the gift of camp and sharing all your experience and your knowledge. And, you know, I'm sure we'll have time to talk again soon because Lord knows we got a lot to talk about with camp.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Cole. I can't wait until July.
0: (laughs) Me Me too. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, bye-bye. It was so much fun connecting with Camp Mom Judy. I hope it was useful and fun for you as well. Her experience and thoughts on choosing the right camp, preparing for a great summer, and working through those moments of missing home are really priceless for parents thinking about camp for their own children. And to be honest, it's really useful information for our potential staff members too. I love how she answered the idea of camp as a gift. We get so wrapped up in the activities and the schedules and the special events and all the things that we often forget the incredible gift that nature actually provides our kids on its own. My good friend Kat McIntyre spoke beautifully uh, earlier on in, in one of our Campfire Conversation podcasts about how nature can be therapeutic in so many ways. I'm happy CMJ reminded us all of that important fact. As we close the books on our second 2019 season, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen. Scrappy and I have had a great time at creating these podcasts and look forward to more in the coming year. In fact, we've already got a great group of guests already lined up and we're excited to share their ideas with you. Since this will be the last show of 2019, I want to wish everyone a happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas, Happy Kwanzaa and a happy Boxing Day. And I hope you all have a wonderful end to 2019 and a fantastic start to 2020. Until we speak again, do good. And be good. Thanks again to our friends at Scope for sponsoring the Campfire Conversation podcast. Scope stands for Summer Camp Opportunities Promote Education. They provide children from underserved communities with life changing opportunities through the experience of summer camp. Scope campers benefit from a positive, safe, and healthy environment led by excellent role models who give them the chance to develop their full potential. We both believe that summer camp reinforces what children learn in school and enhances overall academic learning. If you would like to help give some wonderful children a life-changing experience, I hope you'll join me in supporting Scope. You can find them online at scopeusa.org and on social media at supportscope.